everyone. Robert Walker here, along with Caleb Pierce, and we are Sheep Things Podcast. Our goal with this podcast is to get down to the basics with industry leaders, associations, breeders, owners, vets, suppliers, and anyone else we can find to hear their stories and firsthand experiences. Hopefully, we will ask the right questions to see what makes them successful, how they got started, and what they see for the future of the sheep industry. We hope to have something new weekly that we can share, so stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates as they are published. Stay tuned as we try to share our learning experience with you all as we dive into the sheep industry together. What a special guest we have for you today. Mark Dennis, owner of Country Oak Ranch in Louisiana, and a longtime Katahdin breeder instrumental in the early development of bringing the breed to where it is today. He'll share with us a little about his background, growing up, his sheep operation, and give us some history of the Katahdin breed and the association. This was a long discussion, so we're going to break it up into a couple episodes. We hope you enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Mark Dennis. So I'm, I'm kind of curious just as I'm starting out breeding and, um, you know, pretty new to this whole sheep thing. What were those, those first Katahdins like back in the nineties when you, when you bought those Rams, what were the, the traits that you were looking for when you were trying to build your flock? Well, I, um, I always, I'm not a show guy and I think there's two different Katahdins. I think there's meat Katahdins and then there's show Katahdins. And uh, so I was always looking for meat because that's what you sell by the pound. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was always looking for better genetics. And uh, I don't know, Americans, they didn't want to spend no money. And I call it, it was mostly Hobby Lobby. But the Canadians came in and they were buying all the good, good uh, cheap, in my mm-hmm. opinion and uh and they were good breeders and um so i my goal was is uh, 200 pounds at a year old on rams and that might vary if it's a single or if it's a triple Mm -hmm. Uh, it might be 190 pounds Uh, but anyway uh that's that's our goal and i never could get that and then I brought in, in, ni- in 2000, I guess it was, I brought in uh, uh, a ram and two ewes uh, from Canada, Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Deer, that's not in Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. From Red Deer. And, um, and, and uh, after I brought in those genetics, uh, I was able to get 200 pounds at a year old. And uh, now we're on grass here year round. And, uh, and I plant ryegrass the first October and we're on mm-hmm. ryegrass uh, by Thanksgiving easily. And, uh, and I plant clover. Uh, right now we're on ryegrass and, and clover. And um, so uh, but I do creep feed also uh, because I think it's very important among the, the lambs um, to get that start and develop bones uh, 
and uh, growth uh, to get a little grain and uh, they'll probably eat less grain uh, when they're lambs than any time in their life. So <laughs> it's not real expensive to get them going in the right direction. And yeah. I also think it's very important to trim hoofs um, uh, on lambs. We sell our lambs at about uh, four months old. I like to get 120-day waits before they leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll probably have their hoofs trimmed twice by then. Um, I think uh, that in the early stage and in, in developing the hoofs, um, how they walk and uh, is very important. And uh, I also think that that develops the hind muscling uh, with uh, walking and the hoofs trimmed correctly. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's not hard. It's, it's easy to do on the lambs, but uh, I think that's an important part of that. Yeah. And um, because you see a lot of sheep uh, in, in sales and you go to people's other places and uh, they're walking on the side of their hoof or mm-hmm. especially in back and, uh, and uh, a lot of people don't trim don't have any problem with trimming if you have the right equipment it's um it, it's it's a nice uh a nice day to spend it spend a day and and really check your sheep out you know and uh i have a, a hoof trimming table or townsend and i turn them upside down and uh, i don't have to bend over i'm an old guy i don't like to bend over so uh i um I, uh, everything is the feet sticking straight up and, uh, and I have the shears and then I also have a little uh, hoof grinder, uh, hmm. that really works for me. And, uh, and, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think hook, trimming hooks is very important. Hmm. And then, uh, the other thing, uh, uh, my advice to people is, uh, is to make all their buildings portable. So they can move them from pasture to pasture. And yeah. I when I first came here, I built a couple small pole barns, and yeah, they're they're there permanent. <laughs> and uh, but uh, now I am in rotational grazing, and uh, everything I have is I can move with my tractor. <clears throat> and uh, when I move from one paddock to the next, I I just move the feeders, everything goes. And yeah. especially lambs, uh, once they get used to the environment and uh, how to eat and where to eat, and you move the building, all right, you, you don't lose, you don't lose a step there. By the time they find out, oh, I got to go over here to eat this or that. And then, yeah, so that- I, and then I, um, uh, I only, like I say, I got eight paddocks and and. Uh, and I separate that paddock with two electric uh, wires. Mm-hmm. Our interior fence um, separation is just two electric wires. And, uh, and I move my, and then I have these reels that I'm, uh, my, my paddocks are 300 feet long. And uh, they're an acre and an acre and a half uh, paddocks. And, uh, I stretch out uh, 
two wires, uh, a ribbon, and, uh, and then a little cord. And I moved that every day. Um, it's important how many sheep I got and how, and how much grass I got. I might move it a foot or I might move it four feet. Every day they're eating fresh grass. It takes me seven minutes to move it. Uh, they're eating fresh grass, they're spreading the, uh, the manure out, gives me parasite control, and I could, you can triple uh, your flock size on an acre by doing that. And, yeah. and uh, it works for me, and I don't understand why more people don't do it, but they, if you just turn them into an acre, <laughs> they'll pee and poop and lay down on the grass and and you lose one third to one half of it yeah. uh, just just from uh, management management is very important and uh, uh, this works for me and people come here and they just can't understand um, how you do how you can uh, uh, feed this many sheep on an acre or land well, when I first got started, I, as you said, I had cattle, and uh, we had, at one time, we, on these 11 acres, we had uh, 32 cow calves and 125 sheep. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and I did that for eight years. And uh, the people come, you know, you can't do that. You talk to people. Uh, I go to, you know, different functions, LSU and county agents and all that. They never come by to look. They just say, oh, you can't. <laughs> well, uh, you can do that. But I move my wire every day. And, uh, and, and uh, it's so easy. And then uh, when we, we were doing AI and cows and flushing them and all that stuff, and I had my recip cows at another place. But but when my uh, embryologist passed away, I couldn't find any more. So I got out of the cow business. And then I, it occurred to me that I, I can make a hell of a lot more money with sheep than I can with cows. And to prove the point, I had this old gal gave me four ram lambs. <clears throat> what am I going to do with four ram lambs? And they grew out good. And... Uh, and in four months, five months, I sold them for $800 a piece, $2,400. If I had one cow, I'd had one lamb, one calf, and I maybe could have got $600 for it. And uh, it, it's just, it's, it's just so much, I, I don't know, you can just make more money with sheep than you can with cows, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm really curious going back to the, your, your setup with the pasture, cause I'm doing management intensive grazing here and I've kind of played around with a few different, um, structure ideas just because like you said, you have to have something that, that moves around. And for yeah. me, I'm leasing almost all my, my pasture, um, to try to get going. So, um, what is, what do you, what have you found successful as far as when you're building your structures to make them portable? And what have you found that's maybe, um, a hindrance to making them portable? Well, uh, I, uh, I, I buy these little, um, I call it, 
Katahdin Inn. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, a pipe, uh, like a bow, like a bow structure, mm-hmm. or hoop barn type thing. Uh, the one I have and I've had for 15 years now uh, is uh, 18 by 14. And, uh, and my, uh, my gates uh, where I move it are 15 foot. So I can move it from one paddock to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it, it's plastic. And it, at that time, it cost me $750. But now they're like nineteen hundred dollars. But but uh, buildings uh, are expensive. Yeah. And uh, in the sheep business, you know, we got to do everything we can uh, to save money up front. And uh, so that's what I uh, done. And uh, I got one of those, and then I got some smaller ones that I, I put together. And, uh, but everything is portable. I don't have anything that's not portable that I can move. All my uh, handling equipment is on wheels so I can move it where I want it. And because uh, I'm a one man operation, you can't get no help. And, uh, no, and uh, nobody wants to work. So um, you just do what you can do. And, but uh, my, I just think that this moving uh, wire in your situation, uh, I heard you using uh, electric fences, and, and I use yeah. that during the breeding season because I breed with four different rams. Mm-hmm. So I, I use that because a uh, ram will go through my two wire oh, okay. uh, breeding season. So I put them up, and they work well. But uh, just uh, I get this from Premier. It's on a reel. And uh, and the plastic posts, and and uh, I, I just I just move it every day. Sometimes morning and night, because mm-hmm. the more you give them, the more they waste. I only yeah. give I only give them what they can eat in a, in a day. And uh, uh, just a little pigtail electrifies it. And uh, and uh, when I got rid of the cattle, I moved my electric wire from the top to eight inches off the ground mm-hmm. and uh, I have electric wire all the way around my place at eight inches and I have two guard dogs and uh, we've never lost anything. Wow. On your hoop barns, uh, are they on a metal frame yeah. uh, at the bottom and your hoop, your plastic only comes down so far? Yeah. Do you have like a three or four foot side that the sheep rub against or can? Or- yes. And it's just for shelter. You keep your minerals in there. What? Yes, yes. It's just for shelter. Well, right now, right now, I got it rigged up. Uh, and uh, Monday, we're going to put uh, uh, the lambs and uh, and the mamas in a different pasture. So, and it's rigged up that on on uh, each end, I have uh, uh, we've got the the gate where the lambs can go through. Oh, yeah, creep feeding gate on each end, and then then I have my uh, uh, feed inside there, so the lambs can go in and out whenever they want, and uh, and I control how much the mamas eat uh, in mm-hmm. a truck, but uh, and how and how my grass is. 
and uh, so the lambs can eat anytime and uh, and the minerals is in there and of course uh, always keep uh, bacon soda available always and uh, it, it, it's the cheapest thing you can put out and uh, and uh, it really works yeah I think the time I've been there two or three times and I think uh, your hoop barn now that I'm thinking about it, every time has been um, with wean lambs. Yeah. Or there's been one where you've had it where you've been weaning, where you were weaning your lambs yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. had one and then uh, having a, a couple old sheds uh, that I moved around. Uh, yeah, and that's why I tell people all the time, they say, you know, where do I go look at sheep? Where can I go find me some sheep? And I tell everybody, Go visit as many people as you possibly can. Don't take your truck. Don't take your trailer. Don't even take your pocketbook. Just get in the car and go look, you know, because, you know, I've had people say, oh, Mark Dennis, he's a feedlot guy. Really? You need to go get in your car and look because Mark Dennis is bush hogging in the spring of the year before my grass even comes up, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so just get in your car. Go look at everybody's operation. You'll see what everybody's doing. Yep. And you'll take something away that will help you or say, Hey man, I can't do that. My gates are only 12 foot yeah. wide. You know, I can't do the hoop, a 14 foot hoop barn, but it'll give you an idea of how you could, yeah. you know, modify your setup. Oh uh, you know? yeah. No two, no two places are the same. Uh, nope. uh, and what works for you, maybe not work for me, but now with these, uh, with these, uh, little, uh, metal, um, uh, uh, where carport things, you know? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, they're they're on uh, I don't know, two two and a half inch square tubing in the on the bottom. Well, I uh, I like to take that and uh, put a, um, a, a two by six or two by eight under it, so that uh, get that metal out of the that you're dragging around. And drag it around on treated lumber. It slides better on the ground yeah, too, probably. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, because it's light metal, you, you know, you can get one for now. Um, well, I guess your thousand bucks, but but uh, you can get one of them and and just and just box it in the, the side with plywood or something. Uh, so my question on your hoop barn, and obviously yours is has not flown away, yeah. but you know you have. I know you've had a hurricane or two yeah. that's about took you out. How did you secure your hoop barn to the ground? Yeah, well, uh, when you move it from pasture to pasture, you know you just. Um, I just drag it, and it's on wood. But uh, when a hurricane's coming, there's uh, two. Uh, there's uh, four little ratchets. That hold the top on each yeah. corner. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. it takes 45 minutes to unhook that and take the top off and put it in the barn. And then I take and uh, pull that out in the middle of the pasture away from the trees in case the tree falls on. And mm. then it takes an hour and 15 minutes to put the top back on. Gotcha. So you remove the, the, uh, parachute part yeah, of it yeah. and that eliminates yeah. yeah that that would be the downside to a to a carport yeah. type deal versus the hoop. well yeah that that and then uh, uh that's that i've done that twice i've done that twice. gotcha 
and uh, so far. And uh, but then I have where I work uh, in my area where I work. I have my big carport there, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, you know they. And, and that one there, we put augers in the ground, okay. and we got it secured. Right. And, so yeah, I don't know if Caleb knows, and and maybe some of our listeners don't know too. Is uh, I think the last hurricane that come, it got within maybe a couple of inches of your front door, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and and how far inland are you from from the ocean? Yeah. Well, uh, we're twenty five miles away to crow flies from the Gulf. But there's all these bayous that come in here, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the bayous over flood, then it comes down the road, and uh, and it, it did flood. Uh, my pastures flood with about eight inches, six or eight inches of water. The pastures are covered, and but about eighteen hours, it's it's gone. I, I have ditches, and uh, uh, the big hang up is it, it drains along the side of the road to to a bayou down the road and uh, but they and they they don't keep them very clean but uh <laughs> but uh that that's don't seem to be a problem if it if it if it's really bad i'll just bring them all up here around the barnyard you know and it's and that was probably so that's probably been the worst since you've been there in yeah. the 20 30 years or yeah whatever. well we're uh we're 11 feet above sea level here Wow, eleven feet <laughs> and twenty-five miles away, and it and it basically covered your farm. That's amazing. Yeah, well, it's something we don't deal with in Middle Tennessee or yeah, Iowa. definitely not out here. <laughs> this land is a uh, flat, flat. It was rice land at one time. Okay. Now the rice production has moved west of us, and now we're in. This is all sugarcane, which again is all flat. Mm-hmm. And uh, land's expensive here because uh, the sugar cane farm. Yeah. Wow. But uh, but uh, it's uh, uh, the cotton is uh, really a great animal. Uh, it'll make you money, and uh, you know I like to say it's maintenance free. And uh, I think a lot of people are having problems because uh, it's hard to find a good vet that knows anything about sheep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of these people go to the dog and cat vets. I can remember a woman called me from Florida and, uh, and her vet was giving her sheep dog work. Oh. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and then uh, the vets, you know, a lot of us uh, go off label, and mm-hmm. uh, and I have Kennedy's uh, book here that uh, tells you about sheep and what to do, and uh, he went off label a lot, and, mm-hmm. uh, but a vet, a vet won't do that. A vet, a vet won't do that, and uh, so I don't know. It's uh, I gotta go plug my phone in. Yeah, I was about to say your video disappeared. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a good animal, and uh, it's, it's. Uh, we've had uh, a, a nice lambing this year, 
we've had quads and uh, two sets of quads and quite a few triplets. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to have twins or better, or uh, you can't make no money if you're having singles. Yeah. Uh, that, that just pays expensive. Uh, you're, your twins and your triplets are the ones that's uh, you know are making you the money. Yeah. So, what would your advice be to like somebody that's just getting started in as far as breeding their sheep and looking more at the breeding stock side? What would be kind of some of the traits that that you focused on and you found really important to to emphasize and prioritize in your selection process? And what's kind yeah. of recommendation of how to select on those? Well, I, I like a, a big mama that's got a big gut that can eat a lot of grass and carry a lot of babies. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, and uh, that's why I guess I'm not a show guy. Uh, I don't care if it's the back's not straight. Uh, and uh, she's got to have a good udder and yeah. have milk. If you don't have milk, you ain't got nothing. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're feeding a couple uh, bottles, and uh, this milk replacer is expensive as hell. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so we 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 in the beginning we had a, a mama had four prematures, but boy she had the milk, so we mm -hmm. kept milking her and kept freezing it, and uh, so that that really helped us out, and uh, and then I do. Um, I trade an old mama uh, to a goat friend of mine, raises goats, and she gives us um, um, colostrum and first and second and third day milk mm -hmm. uh, for, for an old mama that they take to slaughterhouse and, gr and grind up. Yeah. And so you got to have that in your bag of tricks. And, um, uh, but I'm looking for big guts, milk. And uh, not crazy. If you, if, you got, if you got one that's crazy, her babies will be crazy. It's kind of like finding a, a, a woman then, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then a ram. Uh, I semen test uh, my rams. And, uh, and I don't sell anything off the farm that's a year old or, long, or older that's not semen tested mm -hmm. because uh, I've seen uh, some really sad stories where people bought rams or people sold rams and, and not having semen tested. And um, so anything we sell that's a yearling or older is semen tested. On your use, do you um, do you see a certain weight range that does better for you? Um, you know, I see a lot of people, uh, you know, with 120 or 30 pound use, and they get upset when they can't raise a 250 pound ram. Yeah. You know, it's kind of impossible. Yeah. So, well, our our use uh, our use average uh, 100 and 179 pounds uh, after they're two years old. Okay. Now I got some over 200 pounders and, uh, and, uh, but I don't have many that's, uh, below 150 and, uh, they might be, uh, you know, as, as yearlings, but, uh, I want some, I want something bigger than that because, uh, 
you know, you got you got to raise two or three lambs, and uh, and then the rams. I don't want no crazy rams either. Yeah. Uh, I want. I don't want to have to go out in the pasture with a club in my hands and all that. Stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, and and that can happen, and uh, generally that happens because of the shepherd, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or his wife, uh, during when it was a lamb. Or, or, uh, or uh, you know, if, if he goes for you one time, you got to stop it right then. Yeah. The, and, and then you get animal like that, you can't sell either. You can't sell that to anybody because uh, you might hurt a kid or whatever. And you mm-hmm. Take it to the sale barn to hurt somebody uh, that buys it. So you, you got to learn and respect right in the beginning. And a, and a big ram can hurt you. I've never been hit by one, uh, per se, but you hear people been hit and breaking ribs and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sold one to a lady, um, um, a couple retired close to me and wanted to get into the sheep industry. And uh, and uh, so I found them some ewes and, and I sold them a ram. And, yeah. and, and the first thing I said, look, don't make a pet. This thing, of course, they're kind of into the pet yeah, thing. And, yeah. And wanted to name them all and all this. And I mean, that's all great, but do not make a pet out of this ram. Right. And, uh, man, it wasn't, you know, two, two or three weeks goes by and I see a picture and they're hugging up on this ram. <laughs> and, and then about a year later, they're like, this thing will kill you. Yeah. Like, I told you. And they're like, so we're going to make sausage out of yeah. it. You know, yeah. uh, what do you think? And I'm like, do it to it. I told you, oh man, we should have listened. Yeah. You know? And, and and then you see people that's got rams that are four or five years old that have never done nothing yeah. and they they pet on him and love on him. Yeah, man, it can turn on any anything yeah. can change. Exactly. You know, so. Well, and and and, I, and 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 the first thing is you never pet a ram on the head like a dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's that rules them faster than anything. You pet them on the head. And uh, we used to have problems. Uh, we uh, we would. Uh, go to the Sunbelt Expo in Georgia. We went down there for nine years and, uh, and put our sheep on display and sold a few in that area to, uh, to people in Florida and, and Georgia. And, uh, uh, but people would come and, uh, and, and try and keep their hands off the heads of the, of the sheep. People yeah. just you know, used to petting dogs and they walk right up and and uh, and pat them right on the head, and they stand there. They like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a problem, but uh, it was a lot of information. Uh, people come and we hand, hand out a lot of information uh, at the expo there in Georgia, but uh, it, but it was expensive. And then it got to after nine eleven, uh, it really got uh, expensive. And they kept saying uh, liability insurance kept going up and then they needed more security. And for three days, it was like $600 for three days. And then uh, you had, you had to have liability insurance, which was another $120 for the three days. And then you, oh. and then you had your hotel and, and uh, food, you know, so it got to the point that uh, we didn't go anymore. Yeah, I have been there a couple of times myself and, uh, and, and as a board member and, and you as a former president and board member, 
you know, I, I've tossed this idea around and, and I don't know how to pursue it back to the, you know, we need a committee, but since you've done that yourself and you've been there, the exposure for the breed is unreal. That's correct. I mean, I was there with John Cannon. I know you and John did this together yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And I, I sat there with John one day for probably, I'm going to say a good three hours. Yeah. And it was nonstop people stopping and asking about sheep. Yep. And the Dorper, there was a, a pen of Dorpers right next to us. And, and they were having the same exposure, the same, I mean, yep. uh, while we were there, you know, of course you got a lot of uh, lookers, no doubt, yep. you know, a lot of kids. Oh, how cute. Yeah. But, but in the three hours, we probably had three or four that were very interested, had thought about sheep and was looking for more information. And, and so, so as an, as a board member, I see that as a great opportunity yep. as an outreach that we're not doing enough of. Right. And so, so how do we, as an association, how can we reach out? And there's probably a dozen big events like that throughout the country. Yep. And, uh, so, so I feel like there ought to be some way that we can subsidize that for the farmer. Like you said, it costs six, $700. Yeah. And, and everybody's like, well, you know, John or Mark, they're the only two that benefit from that. That's not true. Oh no. Because, uh, for example, one lady that we, that we talked to lived in South Carolina. Sure. She might've bought, uh, uh, two or three sheep from John while we were there, just for an example. Yeah. But, but next year when she starts to look for a different Ram, mm -hmm. she's going to look to other people in her area. Exactly. And, and so, so you got that feeder, you know, that first contact, sure. You know, but after that, they're going to start spreading out into other areas. Yeah. And, and then not only that, but her neighbor or one of her customers might get into sheep. Yeah. And then it just blossoms from that. So, so I feel like we're at a point in our association with our, with our membership and the number of people we have and, and the financial uh, position we're in that we can start expanding into those type areas where we can help a producer, you know, put on a booth and give him everything he needs and for him to promote sheep for the association. And, uh, man, I, I'd like your help. Uh, you know, let's, let's get some people talking and, and that's something I think in the next year or two, we ought to really, really expand. Cause we're in all the, I mean, this year we doubled our magazine advertisement, uh -huh. you know, our, our growth is still, we're still growing. We still register a lot of sheep. Uh -huh. Our membership's still growing, but now we need to go to that next level. And I think the next level is a live animal in front of people at these, you know, the, the farm, the Sunbelt Expo gets a couple hundred thousand people. Oh yeah. Big time. I mean, what? for, for five or $600, where can you get that exposure other than a Facebook ad? Yeah. But those people are there and, and, and they get to see it in person and talk to that breeder. And, uh, I think that's our next level of, of marketing that we need to, to pursue and help help our, our membership. Well, it's un unfortunate, you know, there's, there's some breeders there in, uh, in Georgia and, uh, Florida and, uh, apparently they don't need the exposure. They're selling everything they, they can, you know, otherwise they would be there and, and it's close to home. Mm -hmm. but yeah. We went, we went all the way from Louisiana to Georgia because I saw the, the, uh, the opportunity to being there, there's so many people. And then uh, in South Central, in past years, uh, we would go to the Dixie National in, in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. 
and uh, and and there uh, seems to me that they gave us a booth just for an exposure, hmm. and uh, and we went there two or three uh, uh, years in a row, and and then it sort of fell off. You know, uh, uh, what happens is uh, the leadership in these associations change, hmm. and. Uh, and uh, we didn't go back for one reason or another. But I was thinking, uh, I just read that there's a sheep and goat expo coming up in West Texas. I think it's the end of August. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the same time that uh, we've had our expo before the one in San Angelo. Uh, yeah. In that area. Yeah. Yeah. Jim and, and Lynn went a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Um, and then we've had it, it's been the same time as our expo, like the last year, maybe, or year before or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, those are the type of things. Um, and, and, and we're trying to push in the Southeast, you know, where it's grass all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, um, the expo in Georgia is, is a big one and they have a lot of international people, Caribbean and, uh, I met the people from Costa Rica there and this and that. There's, there's a lot of international people go there also. Yeah. The Missouri, uh, <laughs> associate, the Missouri club, had, they go to Springfield, I believe to a big fair there uh-huh. every fall. Uh-huh. And, and, and there's several breeders show up and have live animals and they've had great success in the last probably two years, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, it's, uh, it's there. Uh, it, uh, breeders uh, want to do it, but uh, you know, uh, and you can and you can make uh, a good money and meet meet a lot of people. We met a lot of people, and uh, we sold a lot of sheep over there in those nine nine years. In mm-hmm. fact, so, that's where I met John Cannon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where I met him, and then and he he got rid of his. Uh, is uh, unregistered and, and, and bought registered from and mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. I don't think anybody went this year. Uh, I don't think John went this year. Matter of fact. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Well, it's convenient for him cause he can run home at night. Right. <laughs> he got a free bed. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, and then the last few years, uh, we were staying at, uh, at, at, uh, Roxanne Newton's place. She let us stay there, you know, and yeah. so that was a big help, but, uh, you know, they, they're not interested in, uh, in, uh, going there, uh, and putting their sheep on display because, uh, I guess she sells them, uh, other, other ways. Absolutely. So kind of along those lines, you've, you've been really instrumental in, in the promotion of the breed. Um, what are some of the things that you've found that have really helped, promote the breed in new areas. I'm out here in the, the Rocky mountain region. Um, you know, there's still a, a large amount of, of wool sheep and, um, yeah. and, and a lot of cattle producers that, that maybe have considered adding sheep to their operations. But, um, you know, with the wool factor, maybe it's not exactly the, the labor, um, amount that they can handle while still running their cattle operations. So what are some of the kind of the, the tips that you've seen in promoting the breed, um, in new markets? Well, uh, to have a, a, a good sheep to show, mm-hmm. good sheep 
Joe and have lambs. If you have two pens or more, uh, have a mommy with uh, lambs. That mm. brings the women over. And then the husband follow. <laughs> and, have, and have good literature. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and invite, invite them to attend our functions. And mm-hmm. then now uh, go to the website and all that stuff. The people don't realize that's available. Yeah. And uh, but to get get to these uh, to go to these places, um, and it's it's awful hard to put one on yourself anymore because of liability insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, because when we first started South Central. In 2000, uh, we used to just go to people's farms. Mm. And, uh, all we need is a shade tree and water. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's all we, we started out doing. And, and then, uh, you know, people said, well, somebody came up with holding it down in the, the city park uh, where they had a building. Well, then you had liability insurance problems. And then, mm-hmm. and then it got so people don't want you to come into their farm anymore because of diseases. Yeah. Bringing your sheep. But uh, we would sell, uh, we, we had these gatherings at South Central and uh, we would bring trailers loads of sheep and, and, and sell. That it was probably, a lot of them was pre-ordered and we just, you know, met there and sold. But uh we we the highest year we ever had was twenty two thousand uh, dollars wow. passed on a sh- on sheep and uh, and you meet people and, uh, and it it really worked good and then uh, it kind of you know membership changed and uh, and uh, things changed and uh, we're not to that yet but we're trying to to hold a little gathering and it's in Vicksburg. Uh, this year on June the uh, twelfth and thirteenth, and uh, we're trying to do the same thing there. Uh, it's, and, uh, but uh, the, the deal we got with the people—it's a—it's uh, a place where they have uh, equestrian ring, hmm. and it's not fancy. It's not air conditioned, but uh, uh, there's security there. And and the and uh, the girl uh, charges us three hundred dollars for the facility for the weekend. Wow! And we don't have to come up with no insurance. Mm-hmm. So uh, and it's on Highway Twenty, and uh, we can draw from uh, quite a few states. Uh, you can't you can't have them like where we live here because you only can draw from three sides. Yeah. You got to be able to draw from four sides, <laughs> which in your area you could. And, um, but that's, uh, it just got so expensive with liability insurance anymore. Um, that, uh, little, little operation where your dues is 25 hours. You just can't make it. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb could probably draw from four or five states, yeah. but there it's so far to those other yeah. states that nobody would do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a problem, but um, uh, and have a, a, a decent speaker, in my opinion, that don't talk about grass. 
and uh, pastors uh, and talk about other things. And there's so much to talk about. Uh, we used to have a real good turnout uh, showing people how to trim hooks oh. and, and give shots. And, uh, and now we have a speaker this year and then we have a round table and, mm, yeah. and uh, just let people ask questions and, uh, it's laid back. It's not, nothing's formal. We have a nice meal. And, uh, I just think you learn more, um, getting around, sitting around, talking to people than, uh, sitting in a classroom where somebody from some university is telling you how to do it and <laughs> ever owned sheep in his life, but yeah. knows what the book says. And we used to go to, um, to, um, Boomville, Arkansas, mm. to, uh, Dr. Burke's place. Mm -hmm. And they would show us all these things, but, uh, uh, they had all the equipment, nice equipment, all lined up, and, and a man standing there to doing it. Uh, everybody had their job. Well, that ain't the real world. There's, at your farm, you do everything. <laughs> it's a one-man operation in, in most cases. So I think just standing around, talking to people, socializing, how you do it, this and that, you learn a lot. Yeah. And, yeah, we have, uh, I'm president of the Tennessee sheep producers, uh, this year and, and our best meeting in my opinion ever was doc Kennedy came down yeah. and we usually have a Friday afternoon session yeah. and then a Saturday session with a meal and our meeting. Yeah. And on Friday afternoon, doc came in and, and instead of having a prepared speech, he basically pulled a stool up yeah. in front of the front of the crowd and goes, all right, yeah. I, I, this is not scripted. So yeah. Uh, here's what I do. Yep. And after he got through telling everybody what he did, people started asking him questions and we sat there for two or three yep. hours. And, uh, and, and I, and I'm the same way, you know, I struggle with, you know, and I'm sure that some of them will probably hear this podcast, which is great. But, um, you know, we hear the same extension stuff right. throw down our throat so much. Uh, and it's universe, like you said, it's people with university dollars and university research and, University, 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 and that there, there's a place for that. I get it. Yeah. But you get tired of hearing it twenty four seven. You want to know. You want to hear somebody that's you know out there in their overalls and mud boots. Yep. That that's had to do it and what you know, just like uh, all the if you look at all the literature the four H people give us, you know, if we you know none of that works for everybody. Yeah. And just like, you know, we talked about earlier, the same stuff doesn't work. It won't work on two neighbors' oh. farms. So, uh, so here they give you the only way to do it. And this is a way to do it. And, and the truth is none of it works on everybody's farm. So yeah, I did. I agree. I, I, I it drives me nuts to have so much yeah. extension university driven meetings that just, it's the same stuff they teach the 4-H kids yep the FFA kids and, and you've heard it all of your life. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I, we just had a, a deal actually back in February and I was on the round table. I, I enjoy round table discussions yep. too. And I like it when there's four or five producers and we all have different ideas and different thoughts and we all do things different. It gets, makes everybody think it makes the audience ask a question 
Hey, Caleb, how do you do this? Hey, Mark, how do you do this? Hey, Robbie, how do you do this? And it makes them go, Oh, wow. I can do part of this, part of this and part of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then right after that, they had an extension person come up and they, they showed some slides on They of course it was a goat and sheep deal. So they used goats for their example. And they had uh, three different does and they were given, uh, you know, they were wanting you to pick, you know, genetic, how would you select, uh, which doe would you select for your genetic base, you know? And they had the doe woman never had to be wormed, never had to be wormed. Her, 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 um, or she never had to have feed, um, throughout the year to stay in shape. Uh, she had to be wormed about every two months. Yeah. And, uh, but her, her, she always had twins yeah. and her twins always brought the most at market or the most at sales. And they were outstanding kids, Yeah, you know, doe two, uh, she had to be wormed about every four or five months, but she had to have uh, a half a pound of corn every day year round to stay in shape. Yeah. And her kids were so, so, you know, some of them did okay. Some of them didn't. And sometimes she'd do twins, but most of the time she was doing single. Wow. And then doe three, you know, she, she had, she never had to be wormed. Uh, but you, but you would never keep any of her, her kids were never breeding quality. Uh, uh and she took about a pound a day. And, and of course me, I'm like, Hey, you select doe A because I can breed out the parasite. Yeah. You know, uh, that's a highly heritable trait and it's proven blah, blah, blah. And, and boy, they shot me down like crazy because <laughs> no, 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 you got to select doe two because she, takes less warmer. And I'm like, yeah, but you just said her, her kids are the worst and she takes more feed year round, <laughs> but that's what they're teaching yeah. people, you yeah. know? And so, so I like a, a round table. So we all get to give our opinions and the crowd has to use their head to think yeah. versus, you know, uh, taking, taking a, a politically correct, uh, easy, solution that everybody should a guideline or something so yeah i'm i'm the same way it's that's a, that's one of my pet peeves about having meetings or or yeah. demonstrations well and know. then and then these uh, these university people like they talk about grass and this and that well you got people from all over that and and i don't you know we got one grass here that no one else has and and your grass is altogether different in uh in, uh, in Kentucky than here. And I think that's a waste of time to have those kind of people when you got a mixed group. Mm-hmm. So I don't even go to those anymore because uh, uh, they're talking about what alfalfa, well, we can't grow that here. We grow peanut hay. Perennial mm-hmm. peanut hay is what I feed. It's 14% protein. They call it the alfalfa of the South. And we can't get it in Tennessee. Yeah, you so. can't get it, and and because uh, you can only grow it along the coast, and and uh, but uh, uh, it, it's that's a waste. But when uh, another guy you can sit down and talk to, like Kennedy, was uh, Doctor Redwine. Yes, yes, very much. And so. he's a good, he's a good speaker, and uh, and uh, he he kind of thinks like I think. Maybe that's why I like to sit in on his sessions. But Kennedy, yeah, I've got I've got him I've got him down for a future podcast. Hopefully, I, we can get him on. Oh, yeah. He gave the v- best presentation I ever seen. Uh, was was at a South Central meeting at Kenneth Jesse's in Virginia. Uh-huh. And and I and I want that's what I want David to discuss 
on his episode is, you know, he made the comment that uh, he, he sells twice as much commercial sheep as registered sheep. And, uh, but when you walk through his farm, you can't tell them apart. Yeah. And man, that is, that is so, that is something that so many people, you know, they think a commercial animal is, <laughs> is this, you know, oddball, yeah. uh, worthless piece of animal just because he don't have paper. Yeah. That's not uh, the case, yeah. you know, it should be as good or better than that. Cause you have the opportunity to cross with another breed uh, to, to do some things with a commercial, your commercial sheep really and truly ought to be your best sheep, I think. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, that's for another topic. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But, but, and, and, and there's a lot of people out there like that. Now I can remember it's it, one of the expos a year or two ago, they, they had a round table and everybody in the round table, uh, raised their own feet. And and you need somebody like me that has to buy feed. That that mm -hmm. uh, we, we we don't raise our our feed, mm -hmm. and um, uh, you, you need not all everybody the same. It, it was you know that they were telling how they raise corn and soybeans and they do this and do that. Man, he left me out because I'm buying it. Well, I think that was in Virginia probably. And, uh, and I think we had three or four producers from Indiana, Illinois on the round yeah. table for an area. I mean, we were in the mountains of Virginia, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, uh, it, yeah, it probably should have been more local or regional, yeah. uh, motive. And we, cause there, there was the one guy from Virginia on the round table had a couple hundred head of sheep, you know? And, uh, he, he was totally opposite of everybody else. Yeah. And and his his uh, management style and his uh, process was what the people in that area needed to hear. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, because you can't grow corn on a hillside. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, you can't grow corn here. Uh, it's all sugar cane and rice. Corn they raise corn up north, but not here. Yeah. So well, I didn't realize till uh, we were talking today something that you know, I never take into consideration because I'm not in that world was, you know, Caleb has to buy water rights, yeah, you know, so no different than the, than the grasses, you know, I mean, Caleb has to buy water yeah. rights. I mean, that, that's just hard to imagine, you know? Yeah. I think you ought to come down here and buy my place. <laughs> there you go, Caleb. You're looking for a, for a setup ready to yeah. go. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, well. but, uh, you should hit him up when it's probably 20 below zero and four foot of snow. That, <laughs> that's when you need to yep. hit him up. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, Either that or when I'm out having to move irrigation pipes in the summer, then that'd be another good time too. Cause you probably don't have to have to water too much down there. <laughs> no, no. Well, uh, I have all, uh, just garden hose on top of the ground yeah. and, and, uh, it went down to 29 one night this past winter. And that's that was a that was a, the the frozen time we had. Wow! But then, uh, and and almost lost our orange oranges and our lemon trees. Oh wow! Yeah, pretty rough winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A few years ago, we hit negative uh, thirty here one winter, and Woo! yeah, it was it was pretty cold. They said at that temperature, if you take boiling water outside and you throw it in the air, by the time it hits the ground, it'll turn to snow. So. But yeah. I had to take care of my sheep, so I wasn't going to stay out any longer to try it. I 
had to be out there plenty enough. So. <laughs> okay, guys, I told you it was going to be a long conversation. So we're going to end this episode right here. And you guys be looking for the next couple episodes as we continue our conversation with Mark Dennis. Thanks for listening to the Sheep Things podcast. Stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates. We want your feedback, so you can email us at podcast at sheepthings.com for suggestions or comments. Thank you, and see you later.